Welcome to Deeper Walks on the Trail podcast. You are on the trail with father-daughter duo Marcus and Stephanie Warner. I'm Stephanie, and I'll be talking with my father, Dr. Marcus Warner, as we discuss topics that help you stay on the trail to a deeper walk with God. Here we are in episode 21. We're continuing today with a look at the second of the three pillars of a kingdom worldview, sovereign lordship. Hello, Father. Hello, daughter. Good to be with you again. <laughs> oh, it's so good to hear your voice. I'm sad I can't see you in person this week, but um, it's a delight to be with you. It is. It's fun. We're uh, we're getting ready to leave. I'm headed to the airport here shortly. So, uh, uh, Huzzah! This is, I'm so glad yeah. we could squeeze this in. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, this is fun. Okay. So, last episode, we began with the potentially controversial Pride and Prejudice discussion, 2005 or 1995. Um, <laughs> this episode, I am not going to be so gentle. Um, indeed, that was just practice. Um, because this controversial question is more of a theologically touchy subject. Are you ready? Uh, sure. I'll take a deep <laughs> breath. Okay, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've encountered many people who believe God's sovereignty means that he determines everything that happens, like the universe is some cosmic software system creating the illusion of free will, but God is actually predetermining everything that happens. So what do you think? Do we live in the matrix? Does sovereignty mean determinism? Yeah, you know, that is becoming a more popular idea these days. Uh, and, and even among non-Christians, there's this idea that there's some sort of a, uh, uh, you know, matrix-like system going on. But, you know, the Bible's pretty clear that that's not the case. When the Bible talks about, uh, doesn't talk about determinism, it doesn't talk about fatalism. We have a couple of, you know, obvious situations. You think of uh, David when he's at... Um, a, uh, I don't know exactly how you pronounce this. It's K-E-I-L-A-H, Kaila, Kaila, however they pronounce that city. But And he asked God, he said, is Saul going to come with his troops and uh, and come find me? And God says, yes. And then he says, will the people hand me over to Saul? And God says, yes. Well, neither of those things happen, right? Mm-hmm. So if, <laughs> if neither of those things happen and God said, yes, they were going to happen— then what that means is that this isn't all just determined, predetermined. God actually knows hypotheticals, right? He knows what has sometimes been called middle knowledge, and that is that he knows all possible realities. And honestly, that's just us trying to figure out a, a mind that is so far beyond ours, we can't understand it. So we're, where we go with this is determinism is essentially, I think, a way to try to understand in human terms how sovereignty works. But what sovereignty really means is that God is king. And because God is king, everybody's accountable to him, right? He, uh, just like a king initiates laws, initiates activities, just as he is the head over everything. So God is an initiator and God is also a, uh, he is also the judge to whom we will have to give account someday. So I think when, when the Bible is talking about sovereignty, it has more to do with God's plans his power to make sure that those plans happen, and uh, and then the fact that he's the judge over all things. But he does know the future. Yes, he knows. He the just future. doesn't. He just doesn't like take our free will from us. Right, just like he said to uh, David, the uh, the implication there was, if you don't do something, this will happen. So he knew mm-hmm. that, right? He knew what the future was in that case, and he uh, uh, he knows 
you know, how that all happens where, you know, people, again, have tried to come up with metaphors to help us understand. I've, you know, the one I've heard the most is that God's like up above a parade watching the whole thing. So the past is just as present as the future is to him, or that God is like the speed of light where everything is an eternal now and everything is right now. Those are, I, I don't know if those are true or not. They're helpful, uh, you know, they're helpful guesses, if you will. They make uh, a certain amount of sense and they help us wrap our heads around the idea of somebody who knows the past and the future and knows all things because at some level he's standing outside of it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm content to just know that the Bible tells me to trust him, that he has my future, that he knows uh, he knows the future, and he has knows his plans for the future, which is the most important part. That's so good. I'm, I'm reminded of, um, I'm in a class at seminary right now with Dr. John Oswalt. And, um, you know, a lot of times he says things and then he, he adds on, and you know what? If I get to heaven and God tells me, actually, I'm going to say, yes, sir. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, he's like, we can only know so much here. And if God tells me differently later, I'm not going to fight him on it. But, you know, this is how we're making sense of things. So it, mm. it is. It is. And, <laughs> you know, and the reality is sovereignty is a theological term that is based off of the kingship of God. And it is based off of the... Uh, this idea that God is powerful and that he knows the future and that because of that, you know, the future that God determines wants to happen, you know, he's going to make that happen. So the other part of this is, you know, when Jesus has us pray, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a clear indication here that it's not. It's like, why do you pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? It's because his will is not being done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, we, there are a lot uh, of places in the Bible where it says this should not happen, and it's not saying it can't happen. It's saying it's it shouldn't happen, because, but it is happening. Yeah, so. very true. Exactly. And <laughs> so anytime that you say this shouldn't be this way, if God is saying it shouldn't be this way, then you can't believe in determinism. Mm -hmm. So our goal here isn't to solve the mysteries of life and free will, but um, I think it's so so vital to think appropriately about the why and how of our existence. So let's explore this more. You've talked and written about um, before about the idea of God as the cosmic chess player. You want to expand that thought? Sure. So I got to thinking about this, you know, one day, and that is my own life is sort of like this 64 square chess game. And some people are really good at playing the game and some people are not. Like I am not all that good at chess. I once got beat by a teenager in like five moves. You know, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's not that. Uh, but the point here is that even if you're super good at chess, I just think that the better the biblical way of looking at this is that God's chess board doesn't look like ours, that we see 64 squares in front of us. But God's chess board is miles wide and multiple layers deep. And so we're dealing with our 64 squares. We may even hypothesize, like I just did, that the other things exist, but we don't have access to them. And so every now and then things show up on our 64 squares. And we, where'd that come from, right? It's like, we didn't mm -hmm. see that coming. And it's because ultimately this is God's game, if you will. It's not just mine. And because uh, of his mind, I just want to make sure everything works out in a way that I want them to work out. Well, God's up to something bigger than that. 
And part of trusting him and trusting him in his sovereignty is that he is working something out. And when he's done, it will be for my good as well as for his. And uh, but that in the short term, you know, I often have to sacrifice my good for what it is that he's up to without understanding what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. On that note, let's tackle another heavy hitter. The problem of evil, but <laughs> this is a huge topic. So let's I feel like we should note. have a, a cackling laugh after that. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> yes, no. um, and it's, but it's a very real problem here. Um, every religion must answer this fundamental question. How do we explain the presence of suffering and evil? So let's get to the heart of our faith. What does the crucifixion of Christ teach us about the problem of suffering and evil? Well, you know, one of my uh, favorite quotes came from, I believe it was John R.W. Stott in uh, one of his books where he's talking about Jesus in pain on the cross. And he was contrasting that with, say, Buddhism, where you have this placid looking, you know, person who nothing seems to ruffle him and there's no passion there. And he's like, I would much rather have Jesus, right? I'd rather have this passionate person, somebody who enters into my pain and suffering and understands my pain and suffering rather than somebody who's teaching me how to detach myself from all that is suffering. And I, I think that one of the things that the cross teaches us is that Jesus and you know his answer, ultimate answer to the problem of suffering is I went through it too. Right. It's like I don't stand aloof to it and say, well, it's too bad for you and think about it theoretically. I am, you know, he's like, I am entered into it with you. I became human and I went through the suffering and not just any suffering. He went through the suffering on the cross. And so uh, his because of that, nobody can say to God, you don't understand. Nobody can say to him, you just don't get it. Uh, And even to a certain extent, this isn't fair right, goes out the window because if he's willing to subject himself to it as well, when he didn't have to, and he only did it for us. So there's a, the, the, the cross is a significant answer to the problem of evil. Mm. Can you tie it into sovereignty, the sovereign lordship? So, yeah, I heard a sermon several years ago. I can't remember who, who did it, but the, uh, the sermon was, um, basically explaining sovereignty this way. It said, God allows evil, God uses evil, and God overcomes evil, right? So he allows evil uh, is unquestioning because evil exists, Um, except for those people who try to argue that evil is an illusion. But uh, I, for a person in suffering, that's not a very helpful answer. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) The, uh, but the idea that God allows evil clearly is true. We see, a, you know, there's a lot of evil in the world. Secondly, God uses evil. And then thirdly, he overcomes it. So we see this in the cross very clearly. God allowed the evil of the cross. You could even say he uh, decreed the evil that happened on the cross in the sense that, and here we got to kind of cut some lines, and that is God decreed that Jesus would suffer and that he would die and that it would happen on crucifixion. That does not mean that he prescribed every lash that hit him, everything that took place. And I go back to the uh, story of Assyria in the book of Isaiah, when the prophet says, uh, has the word the Lord says through the prophet, Isaiah is my rod to punish Israel. 
But then he goes on to say, but Assyria did things I did not intend. Mm -hmm. And so the point being that Assyria is going to be punished for the things that they did that weren't part of the plan, that wasn't, you know, what had to happen. And the same way, I think at the cross, there were people totally guilty of all kinds of things. You can't just say, well, it was God's intended plan, therefore nobody's guilty. It's like God planned that, you know, he would use their ignorance against them. But he, uh, so he definitely allowed that. And at some level he decreed it, but he didn't, it means he does, doesn't mean he decreed every evil thing that took place in all of that. Uh, secondly, <clears throat> he used it, right? And we all know that. That's why we were, we're Christians, right? We say he used uh, the cross to be a sacrifice uh, to make atonement for our sins so that we could be justified and we could be purified and we could be redeemed and ultimately reconciled to God because of that. And so, yeah, he used it for a greater good and he overcame it and he overcame it in the resurrection. And that is that the crucifixion and suffering aren't the end of the story. And so we see this pattern a lot in scripture and in our own lives. And that is God allows evil in our lives. He uses that evil and he promises that he can work all things together for good. And the hope of the Christian is that he is going to overcome it and that we will have eternal life. And, uh, you know, and that's the blessed hope of the believer. Mm -hmm. I I love that you camped a little bit on the idea of decree. Do you want to, do you think you can, you can match that against determinism? Like what's the difference between a decree and something being determined? Yeah. So a decree. Um, so when we talk about determinism, we're simply talking about percentage. Like, is it a hundred percent determined? And the answer is no. Are there some things that are determined? Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Jesus is going to come again. That's been determined. You know, uh, there are other things that have been determined that are simply mysteries to us. We don't do not know the mind of God. Uh, you know, who's known the mind of God that we may instruct him. Right. I don't, I don't know everything that God has decreed, but he has revealed some of them to us. And so he wants us to order our lives out of faith that if he has decreed something, we can trust it and we should therefore live that way. And so, you know, there are decrees uh, that determine things. So when we talk about determinism, though, that's the idea that 100% of everything that happens is happens because God, you know, forced it to happen. And that's not right. that's not biblical. That makes sense. So I love what you say in your book, Toward a Deeper Walk. Um, the point of understanding God's sovereignty is not to be able to explain why we suffer or to know what the good is that God wants to accomplish or how God will overcome the evil in our lives. The point is hope. God wants us to know that we have hope because he is good and he is sovereign. As we learn to depend on that hope and trust God's plan for us and his heart toward us, we find peace. And I, I think that's just a lovely summary of like, all these things are so important, but um, what is the point? Um, there's always more we can say on these topics. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. and much of the content of this worldview series can be found in your book, Toward a Deeper Walk. Um, I love that book. Uh so next episode, we're going to be looking at the third pillar of a kingdom worldview, which is spiritual warfare. But for now, 
Any any final thoughts to wrap up this big, huge topic? Well, you know, I mean, just last night, right, I was I was struggling with a little bit of anxiety. And one of the things I would just repeat to myself as I'm uh, trying to find peace is God is good. God is sovereign, right? Because God is sovereign, he's going to work everything together for my good, right? Because God is sovereign, I can trust him. And it also means because God is sovereign, I can give thanks. And so I can set my mind on what is there to be thankful to the sovereign God for. And so gratitude at some level is, is rooted again in this idea that, that God, that every good and every perfect gift comes from above. And that's why we give God thanks, because it is all flowing from the abundance of his you know, sovereign love. So as I, I encourage people, you know, when it comes down to the practicality of what do we mean by sovereignty, it means I can trust God even when I don't understand. And I, th- I find me, myself personally, that's the hardest when I don't know what he wants me to do. And, uh, you know, like I have options in front of me and I'm just not sure which one he wants me to do. Um, I find I can lose my peace uh, the most quickly when that happens because but part of this is learning to trust God that even if I make a wrong dis- decision, like even if I don't do exactly what it was he wanted me to do, uh, he can still work it out, right? He's mm-hmm. still for me, not against me. He is still, uh, he can still work with uh, whatever is on the chessboard, if you will, and bring about the resor- result he gets. I can't make a move so so stupid and so bad that God goes, well, that's it. I can't overcome this, right? Because <laughs> that's part of the idea of his wisdom and his um and his love and his uh just his capacity which is so much beyond our ability to imagine yeah oh thank you for talking about all of this and and for bringing it to that very practical level um this has been a good conversation so thank you all for joining us on the trail today If you want to keep going deeper with us on your walk with God, please subscribe to the Deeper Walk podcast and share with your friends. You can find more at our website, deeperwalkinternational.org. Thanks again. We'll see you back next week.